The Ready, Set, Grow podcast is sponsored by Ag Expert, software designed for Canadian agriculture. Visit them today at agexpert.ca. Welcome, everybody. Uh, today's uh, episode of the Ready, Set, Grow podcast. We're really excited uh, to um, have a chat about regenerative agriculture with Jason Bradley from uh, Olds College. Hi, Jason. Hey. Good and Daryl Chubb, who's an independent agronomist. Uh, uh, hi, Daryl. Uh, thanks for joining us. Good morning. And as always, we have the spectacular Diana Laternas from Saskatchewan on to, to help me host and ask questions. So, so uh, Jason, uh, for people that don't know you, can you tell a little bit about yourself and, uh, and Olds College and, and kind of frame this thing up for people that uh, aren't familiar with you yet? Sure. Um, so I like to kind of give the three stages of my career and it helps people understand where I've come from, where I'm at. So the first stage of my career, uh, I spent 10 years at Nortel Networks, which at the time was Canada's largest telecommunications company, but also the, had the largest share of the Toronto Stock Exchange at one point. Um, and before it imploded, um, that's where it was. So yeah, I uh, was involved in uh, manufacturing management and, and senior project manager, a new product introduction. So that was my sort of um, upbringing, my professional upbringing in technology. And, uh, and at the end of my 10th uh, year there, I had an opportunity to fulfill a boyhood dream. And a good friend of mine and his family had bought a large cattle ranch and they were non-resident owners. And I visited and I said to him one day, well, if you ever need a ranch manager, let me know. And uh, <clears throat> about a year later, he called me up and he said, hey, things have changed. And did you mean that when you said it? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I think I was serious about that. So I, I left my career at Nortel and took my wife and my two young kids um, to manage the Red Deer River Ranch, the Bar 75, uh, 50,000 acre, 300 head grazing operation on the eastern slopes of the Rocky Mountains. Um, lived in a red log house. Uh, our closest neighbor was across the river and commuted to work a horseback when he came to work for me. So I made a little bit of a pivot there, um, did that for 20 years and learned, I lived by the 4-H model, learned to do by doing um, on an outfit that size, having honestly never officially calved a cow out on my own before. Um, so, and, uh, and I just, that, it was part of my DNA and I had this great privilege to be able to learn about livestock production. And, and the, last two, the last two years of my time there, just recently, was uh, I really started to look at things as a system and understood the value of, of looking at how, to, how the land and livestock work together and built an adaptive multi-paddock grazing system and a gravity-fed water system and created this grazing system there. So we can talk about that more later. And then the third sort of stage of my career, um, I spent the last few years at Olds College um, as an instructor briefly. And then I spent... Uh, a couple of years as the director for Smart Egg, helping to stand up the Olds College Smart Farm. And um, I look after, right now, I manage all of our uh, partnerships with corporate partners and um, had a little time this summer, thanks to COVID or no thanks, um, with some layoff time. So I went and, and did some work at Creative Destruction Lab and helped them with their egg stream. And so that's, that's kind of who I am, where I'm at. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, Daryl, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am living just northeast of Calgary, about an hour northeast at Iracana. And my main business right now is, is ag consulting. Um, 
it's I focus on all parts agriculture. Cropping would still be my my forte, but regenerative agriculture is a large portion of that discussion with my clients. Uh, my roots come from Saskatchewan as well, so I'm a I'm an export out of Saskatchewan back in the early 2000s after university, uh, where I uh, worked some ag retail and then spent the better part of 10 years managing a grain farm. Uh, that's how I got to where I'm at. Um, size was, we got it up to fairly large for the area, plus a, a large feedlot. So grain and, and livestock and manure management were a large part of the discussion. Um, once I left there in 2012, I started uh, consulting on the cropping side. Um, and then in 2014, through some uh, good friends and mentorship, I did my Nuffield Scholarship, which just was a complete, uh, complete pivot. Uh, Jason used that word. It was a pivot for me personally, professionally, within my life and started looking at agriculture a lot different went into it with a with a synthetic viewpoint um, all about yield push 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 but the question i was asking on my nut field was how uh, should we be able to do more with what we're what we were doing with so could we be doing more with less or producing more with what we're doing uh, and specifically around fertility and fungicides and such so through that process, met very, very many, a lot of different people. Um, kind of took a curve in the road and found regenerative agriculture, and it just made sense. So, uh, to date, that is a large portion of my, of my con consulting and the discussion. Personally, we, we've bought some, bought a quarter of land, so we run a handful of cows. So I'm also practicing what I'm practicing and learning what I'm talking about, primarily on the cattle and the grazing side, but we're also implementing uh, covers and cover crops and annuals and um, looking at the discussion around what type of cow we want. So it all kind of fits together. So, yeah. Wonderful story. Congrats on, uh, on uh, the Nuffield Scholarship. Uh, that's, that's terrific, uh, a terrific program. Uh, Jason, do you want to talk to us a little bit and just define what regenerative agriculture is uh, from your perspective? Yeah, and um, it's my perspective. We each need to have our own, um, but I'll, I'll refer to the six core principles that I think lots of folks are saying it's what defines it. And it, what, what it's not, it's not a dogma. It's not an ideal. Um, it's not a right versus wrong thing. It's really an, it's an and or proposition. Um, but it's a practice. The way that I see it, it's, it's a practice. It's a different way to look at things and do things. So the six core principles as defined are, first of all, understanding the context of your farming operation. So that means you need to um, figure out a way to step back and kind of almost like watch yourself in your operation, like to be able to have that perspective of understanding what it is you're doing. Um, and it can be, um, you know, vegetables, um, could be fruit, Lots of people apply this in gardening. It can be um, conventional, arable land um, and or livestock, but understanding that context is important. And then minimizing soil disturbance. So it's not just about no-till. No-till is certainly a part of it, um, but it's not, there is no rules to say thou shalt 
uh, no-till, but minimizing as much as possible soil disturbance is key. Maximizing crop diversity. So again, it's not about anti-monoculture, but it's about understanding how to maximize the diversity of crops, whatever they are, intercropping, cover crops, um, those types of things are really important to the practice. Keeping the soil covered um, as much as possible um, throughout the year in whatever way that you choose to do that. But that's one of the, the tenets of the practice that's really key. Maintaining a living root year round. Uh, you know, people in lots of parts of Canada look at you like you have three heads when you say that. <clears throat> Pardon me, but it's not impossible. There are ways to really, as you sort of get outside your own box to think about how could I keep a living root in the ground year round in one way or the other, and then integrating livestock. So those are the six core principles that um, define the practice. Um, and then it's about how you understand those and how you apply them and continually adjust and iterate those. Interesting stuff. I'm wondering, um, Daryl, uh, what are some of the advantages that drew you to regenerative egg? Well, I think part of it was, it was a new challenge. One thing that I was finding within my, within my business is th things were getting very repetitive. Um, you know, sure we have genetics and technology and, but the options are somewhat capped. So it was a complete different way of implementing different, different uses, different technologies um, as well. And, you know, Jason started talking off about, you know, the, the context, the viewpoint. I, I look at it, at it as a holistic view as well. I was, I was questioning, you know, what do I want as well? So what drew me to it was just, yeah, it was, it was a challenge. It was something new. It was, it was, um, it wasn't mainstream. Um, so some of these sustainability practices and techniques, uh, um, they kind of are evolving all the time and, and a lot of times they're wrapped in, uh, improving the environment and, and climate change. Uh, Jason, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, I think it's important for farmers to to hear that you know it's not an either or. It's a you know yes, we want sustainable economic activity, um, but you can also you know improve some of these other uh, characteristics. Yeah, um, it 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 is an and or proposition for sure, and. Uh, I, I like to talk often about the three-legged stool. The, um, so profitability, productivity, often sustainability is what's named as the third one. Uh, it can be called, you know, uh, you know, addressing climate change, or it can be called uh, looking at the environment, but whatever sustainability is, so there's those three. To me, regenerative ag, like all, <clears throat> pardon me, like all ag, should be focusing on the profitability. Not that the others aren't important, but we're all running a business. And so, um, so the, and that should, that should never stop any of us from focusing on profitability. Because if, if you're doing things in a sustainable fashion, and if you're looking at productivity and yield, um, and, you're, and you're addressing all those at the same time, that's actually a really healthy place to come from. So regenerative ag, um, 
yes, it addresses some of those other sort of challenges, um, things like, you know, uh, in, improving carbon cycling and getting it into from the air into the soil and, and addressing environmental concerns and um, things like for our nutrient management or all those types of things, which are really important. But it's about uh, achieving more profitability because we all need to do that to run our businesses and to be successful. So, so I like to remind myself and maybe challenge others to, to say um, there's so much potential in as we start to understand the synergy of how things work together, how different plants work together in multi, multi uh, plant, multi variety instances and how livestock and plants work together. There's so much value to be leveraged out of that, um, that, that drives profitability that will help to increase yields. And oh, by the way, it'll help to improve soil health. And I think if I was to wrap it all up, to me, it's about soil health because everything comes back to soil and the apex of soil of life is carbon. And so I, I'd like to draw that back and say that, you know, that's where, that's where the focus should be. And what I've seen from others that are pra practitioners of regenerative ag is they tend to be highly profitable um, because they're reducing things on the input side and achieving or even increasing yield, but doing it within uh, this nature-based system. Jason, a, qu a question for you. Um, how soon do you become profitable by changing these practices? Is it right away or is it, you know, several years down the road? Can you give a little bit of context around that? Mm. It depends. It depends. It depends on where you start from. It depends on at what, you know, if you're starting with 10 acres in one field or if you're, if you're willing to be a bit more risk uh, accepting and to do something larger. Um, it takes time, like anything in agriculture that we have one growing season to work with. Um, so um, it's certainly not like instantaneous. And I think I, I'd really like to, to get Daryl to jump in on this, but it's not instantaneous, but anything else we're doing in agriculture, whether it's organic or conventional or regenerative or whatever else you want to talk about. But I kind of have the three to five year time frame in my mind where you really start to see the impact of things in the land and you start to see the impact of things on your bottom line. Daryl, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. It, it totally depends. Um, I think the, Everyone's going to have challenges based on freight and logistics and people and time. But the key is to start small, uh, make small changes because yeah, you go and change. It's a business. It's you, you have to be profitable. Otherwise, you know, farming is going to crash. So I, I like looking at a, say a mixed farm, you know, grain, grain and livestock intertwined. Now all of a sudden you can actually re, um, get, some production, some profitability out of including diversity and cover crops and different things. Whereas a straight grain guy might have challenges doing that, especially in Western Canada. Um, now, as you get into other parts of uh, North America and the world, that's, that's different. But if we talk locally, um, uh, that's a challenge. And then the next thing is just the change in mindset as well. You know, before it all starts, it, it's a change in mindset and trying to figure out what's going to work for you, what your current management system is. So um, how long? 
<laughs> there is no definite answer, but it does have to start paying relatively quick time. It's just how can we extract maybe a little bit more production or util I think it's land utilization is part of it as well. Uh, this probably probably for Jason, um, you know, for, for us to bring some of these changes forward, you know, we need to leverage the resources of the whole agricultural industry. And, you know, a lot of times we all swim in our lanes, right? You know, I'm a seed company, I'm a fertilizer company, I'm crop protection, uh, whatever. How, Jason, can the ag industry get engaged, um, help support the, the improvement, the, you know, the evolution of our, our farming practices uh, using more, some of these more um, sustainable and regenerative techniques in your mind? Uh, I think there's sort of two things that come to mind right away for the ag industry, if we want to call it that. And first of all is, is to, to start to look into something like regenerative ag or um, conservation agriculture or whatever you, you want to call it, like to, but to really start to understand what the opportunities are. Um, uh, so it's, it's a bit of an education thing because once you start to understand how, this, how that practice or system works, um, whether you're an ag equipment manufacturer, a retailer, um, an input provider, um, an agronomist, like once you start to allow yourself to think outside your own box mm -hmm. and, and not swim in your lane, like swim mm -hmm. somebody else's lane, swim with them in their lane, um, swim the other way in the same lane that they're swimming. Like just do, do so, allow yourself to get out of that box and challenge yourself. Daryl talked about mindset. And I think that's the second thing is, um, is, is be open-minded and, and willing to listen, to think about, well, maybe there, there is another way to produce food, um, whatever crop that might be. So I think those two things from the industry point of view, because once, once folks start doing that, then they're going to see like either some of their current solutions are going to fit in a different practice, or maybe they're going to start trying to design things that fit as well. So I don't think it has to be, you know, um, like for an input supplier, well, we're going to change over to, to be a regenerative ag input supplier. Well, they, they, you know, they, they won't without, you know, help. And I think that's where, yeah. you know, organizations like olds need to demonstrate and show and, and force those collisions. Right. Because, you know, everybody's busy, especially in this time of COVID and some of that innovation needs a, needs a nudge in my, uh, my experience. So needs well, I, think a nudge. I think your role in your leadership in this could be a, could be a fairly important factor in, you know, the, the, the more rapid adoption. I totally agree. And we, we need a nudge, but we also need a, a place to look over the fence at our neighbors. Cause in, in farming, we like to be first to be second. Mm -hmm. You like to sit at the coffee shop and see what somebody else did. I think we need to get a lot better. Well, it, it, mistakes are expensive, right? <laughs> you know, okay. We've all done those. So <laughs> I'd rather Jason experiment <laughs> than <laughs> I'll experiment once you've proven it, that it works. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, but Daryl's point was start small, right? And so yeah. old can do that we can start small for you so even a year and a half ago there was a two quarters of land 320 acres donated to the college by a family's estate and i looked at that and i said this is going to be our regenerative bag demonstration so we're actually building a demonstration um capacity like entity that we're doing different applied research on with you know virtual fencing with um using gps 
and 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 uh, and and cattle on part of it, and different cover crops and crop cocktails, and we can we can run it like it you know as if it's its own entity, but we can also test things out within that. Um, Daryl, can you uh, give us some suggestions for what producers can do just to start small uh, if you were if you were them? Yeah, so there's there are, there are many options. Um, first and foremost is starting from the below ground, working your way up. So I mean, the conversation is what comes first: healthy soil or healthy plants, and it's both. So making sure that you have a good a good soil test is, is you know, I mean that's what most agronomists and most people in the industry will say, but what does good mean? It means that having the right information based on your goals. So I guess I should back up as a producer, you need a goal. You need some goals in mind. You need a path forward. Otherwise you just, you're throwing spaghetti at the wall and you don't know which way you're going. Um, and that gets expensive, right? So you can't afford mistakes. And then the next thing is just, you know, there's lots of resources out there education, looking at some of these uh, associations and, and colleges, looking at some of the, the research that's out there. Um, and then the next thing is talk to neighbors, talk to, no, maybe not even neighbors, just find, it, find support people. There's many different groups out there to, that are doing this stuff to help keep you motivated, help keep you moving forward. So getting that focus first and then step into getting your you're looking at your soil what's your goal what's your limiting factor what tools do you have what's your management regime so you know it, what i talk about with guys and people is not going out to spend a couple hundred thousand on a different drill or this or that it's about see how we can work with what the tools that you do have so uh, it could be as easy as cropping rotations as easy as rotational grazing to some people that sounds very complicated but uh, you know when you step back and look at it some of the biggest changes can be some of the smallest steps I, so, I, yeah, go ahead Jason. Can I just add to that so um, I don't want to talk about me very much at all but I'm just thinking of the example that I have is my own at the Red Deer River Ranch about you know talked about you know asking lots of questions making those small changes. Um, I spent the better part of a fall and a winter and a spring thinking through how I wanted to create my adaptive multi-pattern grazing system, including uh, curvilinear fencing and a water system. But I asked like our forage association, our county ag extension um, guys, uh, our Alberta ag um, experts in different areas, the different companies I was working with, and I created a plan, but I, I sort of included them as my team and I bounced things off of them and got them to, you know, say what would or wouldn't work. Um, and that's, and um, I tried to keep it within Daryl's point of like, what did I already have? But it was going to require some investment. So there's programs out there as well. So, you know, it was a $42,000 project altogether. I think it cost the ranch 36, uh, about $6,000 cash. Yeah, the 36 was from grants from county from uh the 
province and from the federal government, right? So was able to get all that sort of covered. So that was, that's an example of how you can get started. Well, uh, and you know, along that line, getting started, you just articulated your approach. Um, where are the information sources? Where, you know, I, I'm interested, I'm farming. Uh, where do I go? Um, you know, are there, are there books? Are there websites? Uh, you know, are there movies, videos? I don't know. Like, do I just Google regenerative ag and, uh, and uh, hope, <laughs> hope I find? Who are the experts? What, uh, where would I go? Well, I think the options are endless right from books. Um, you know, depends on what, how you learn the best, but you know, lots of stuff on YouTube. Um, and you figure out who is, you know, the experts. There are many out there. A lot of them, um, do have, you know, there's a lot of conferences on YouTube. Great place to start. If you're, if you're, love books and like reading instead. Yeah. The options are endless. I, uh, I, I, I wrote some of them down so I didn't miss them, but I very purposefully have this book and I leave it there all the time. So dirt to soil by Gabe Brown. I leave it there because it reminds me, I can see it in my screen, but all the time I get people that don't know really very much at all about farming or regenerative, like what's that book about? Um, so, so dirt to soil by Gabe Brown. Um, I also, uh, Growing a Revolution, um, Bringing Our Soil Back to Life by David Montgomery is a great resource. Um, I think there's some innovation type of um, learning that's important for producers because producers typically are innovators, but understanding how innovation can work or different ways to look at it. So the Lean Startup by Eric Reese is a great sort of approach to um, from a farming point of view, it tends to be applied in, in tech and lots of the ag tech companies probably go through the lean startup approach, but um, it allows you to understand the, what it is to have a, the build uh, measure learn feedback loop and what, that it's okay to fail, but fail fast. Um, there's the Rodale Institute. Um, they just came out with a great uh, white paper, the regenerative agriculture and the carbon solution. I think there's a, in terms of movies, uh, farmer's footprint um, is one that, 20 minutes and it gives you a really good perspective. Um, Kiss the Ground just came out. It's a documentary, but I think it's really worth the watch. Um, biggest Little Farm. Uh, it's a bit of a story, um, but it's still something that they actually did. And then the Regenerative Ag Podcast by John Kemp. If you're looking for a place to go, like go and, and find John Kemp and, and listen to his podcast. It's just um, huge value. Yeah, I... I would say that if you're going to start with any podcast, that is the one as well. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And I saw a video a couple of weeks ago with um, Greg Patterson from A&L Labs. Uh, they've launched a new Vitalis soil health test. So they're trying to get a handle on, uh, on the, the biological component in the soil. So, so uh, great, great advice guys. And um, we'll try to get that list and attach it to, uh, to the podcast here mm -hmm. as well. And, and Daryl, if there was something that you wanted to tell the next generation that's just starting out with farming and they have a clean slate, uh, what would be your recommendations? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that yesterday. But so two things um, might sound a little, a little bit uh, 
of a conflict. But at fir first of all, never forget experience from the older generations. I mean, that's invaluable, right? From your grandfather to father, um, they've gone through stuff. Things have changed. So never throw that out the window. However, um, things are always changing. You know, I look at some clients and, and some different situations as well. And if you're going to farm like dad did or like grandpa did, you know, systems have changed. Um, thoughts have changed. Markets have changed. Uh, consumers have changed. So you really got to sit back and look at what do you want to do and what do you, what is going on and, and do you have any, any problems there? Um, within my nuff field, um, travels i was in western australia and i forget the gentleman's name but um, basically it revolved around uh, um, uh, weed um, resistance he's kind of the king on weed resistance in, in australia and the message i got from that is repetition is dangerous we always have to disrupt the system so that would be my my advice right off the bat is do something different, create a different system that and I, by system, I'm talking right from management to biological to ecosystem. Because at the end of the day, farming, ranching, pr production is an ecosystem. Well, you know, I really appreciate you guys uh, coming on today. Um, uh, if people are interested in getting a hold of you, uh, you know, how would they do that, uh, Jason and, and, uh, um, and Daryl. Yeah, for for me, the easiest way is probably LinkedIn. Right, you can just find me on LinkedIn, and we're we're all most accessible there. And I check it often, and you can message me there, and then I can I can get back to you, and we can start a conversation. Perfect. And Daryl, do you have a website or uh, um, how we can hunt you down? I am on LinkedIn as well. Maybe not I'm not that active on it, but I do check it periodically. I do have a website. Yes. Um, my, my company is De Novo Ag. So D E N O V O Ag, A G. So it's, so my website is denovoag.com. Ag.com. Perfect. Well, we'll add that link into, uh, into this. So any other uh, questions, Di? Diana? Oh, I think this is great. I think it gives uh, a lot of resources and information of where to start and it gives people some ideas about what it is because it's the it's the talk these days. So yeah, I really appreciate you guys coming on to the podcast and letting us know about this stuff. Yeah, terrific. We really enjoyed uh, having you on. Um, just want to thank all our uh, viewers uh, to the Ready, Set, Grow podcast. If you like this show, uh, you can see the other ones on YouTube, but uh, just, just uh, type in Ready, Set, Grow podcast in the search and you'll find them. Or you can go to the rhaccelerator.com website and just click on the blog link and we've been posting most of them up, up there. So thanks everyone for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye now.